It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. Ingles just rips the ball away from Paula, throws it front to Edwards there and dunks it. (laughs) Joe Ingles just went rugby struck. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz. It's the 22nd of December. Jazz was a bad one to Sacramento. Is it understandable or is it a sign of something bigger that's wrong after a loss like that? We'll break that down and look at it coming up. Plus, a look around the NBA and your questions on a Facebook Live edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. Thanks so much for, for tuning into today's show. Uh, tough loss last night by the Jazz. We are on Facebook Live, and so. Uh, we'd like to have it if you follow a lot if you followed along to ask some questions and if you're listening to this live then thank you very much there's about two of you that are probably doing that right now uh, if you're listening to it on the podcast version next Thursday see if you can make it to the live part of it we tweet it out and try to let you know uh, when that's going on it's brought to you by our friends at Shamrock Auto Group as it is each and every Thursday of the program uh, Locked On Jazz is part of the Locked On Podcast Network your team every day Locked On Podcast Network has Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd has Locked On NBA uh, uh, I host Quinn Snyder's the feature interview this week on that. Plus, we'll have David Thorpe of ESPN uh, posting for you today. Probably no locked on. Uh, probably no locked on NBA next week uh, would be my my guess for you. Take a week off on the holiday uh, period and come back to you after the first of uh, January. So we'll break down the Jazz performance. We'll look around the league. Things are changing a little bit here uh, and, and do all of that as we regularly do on the show and then take your questions. But first, we start every single one of our shows with pins across the world. Uh, pins across the world is our little stop somewhere on the journey to find out where you are, where you're listening from, and uh, how you became a Jazz fan. You can send those to me at dlock. Zero nine at gmail.com. Dlock zero nine at gmail.com. And we're going to go to Joshua McCaffrey. He lives in Oak, Florida. I'm the biggest jazz fan in this backwater country town. My love for the jazz started when I was a kid growing up in West Jordan, Utah. I remember, like so many, growing up as a kid watching the great Stockton Malone during their great finals run of the late 90s. My first sports memory was going to a game where Stockton broke the Steels record. That's not bad. Uh, like so many kids during that time, Stockton became my favorite player. For years, I loved playing point guard on my team. Tried my best to set the assist record on my team every time I took the floor. Uh, to be honest, I played a little bit more like Rondo than Stockton. Junior jazz season was my favorite time of the year because it meant wearing a jazz jersey and pretending to be like my favorite team. The year Stockton retired, I was 14. My family moved to Boston. I remember I was happy from alone when he went to the Lakers just because 
a Malone Jazz team wouldn't felt have felt right. Even though my family moved to Boston and never lost track of the team because of ESPN.com, I logged on every day just to read my Jazz news and notes. I begged my mom for insider subscriptions just so I could read about possible trade rumors, etc. I found your show about two years ago during the Exum draft when I Google searched Exum news and scouting reports. Your podcast came up. I never listened to a podcast before, but I instantly took to yours. And because of you now have about 12 podcast subscriptions on my iTunes, I'll listen to yours daily. I want to say all of my 12 podcasts locked on jazz and locked on NBA are my favorite. Incredible insights, passion. Thank you. Appreciate that. That's nice. Of you. So that is from Josh. He says more nice things about me, but that's embarrassing. Uh, that's from Joshua McCaffrey, and he is in Oak, Florida, which is, quote, a backwater country town. So please feel free to send uh, dlock09 at gmail.com. I've been getting one or two a day. I greatly appreciate it because it allows us to keep that feature going. Uh, so, and I've even seen, I saw Laura Thompson and Dallas Sawyer, two longtime active jazz bloggers and Google Plusers and things like that, uh, drop some notes. So. So thank you very much uh, for doing that. Let's get to the tip-off story of the day. That is not – so that's not a very good loss. That's bad. Uh, here's what's not good about it last night is the fact that the Jazz were up 20 in the third quarter uh, and that the Jazz were also up 11 going to the fourth and the Jazz were also up six with five minutes left. The, the amount of plays – you have to make to win that game at that point is pretty minimal. Now, is it understandable? Nah, the, the, probably not in the sense that the defense completely collapsed. So that, that's where it just it, they couldn't get they couldn't stop Ty Lawson's penetration. They couldn't DeMarcus is great. The, <clears throat> the concern I said to Ron, at one point during the broadcast, I think on the air, was there, is there a way to, to, you know, how important is it to Jazz to keep this game so that DeMarcus never checks back in in the final five minutes? Uh, DeMarcus ended up going 8 of 10 from the free throw line, have, kind of scoring 8 of their final 10 points. Uh, you've got to, you've got to, you know, you've, you'd be nice if you could avoid that moment. Now, so that's really where the problem is. They went 8 of 13 from the field. They went 13 of 18 from the line. Uh, the Jazz just didn't didn't get stops. Now, it's eerily reminiscent of exactly what happened in the Miami game where the guard dribble penetration broke down everything and the Jazz couldn't get stops. And, you know, that's – frankly, it's the exact same circumstance where the Jazz didn't have Hill and Hood in that game as well. Uh, I, You know, I think Shelvin's played all right, and I think Joe's played well this year. But let us remember that we did start a backcourt last night in which was not supposed to probably ever play minutes last year, this year, right? Shelvin, Dante was expected to be the backup, and Alec was probably, now, whether that's true now, the way those two have played may not be. But so, best case scenario, we started our starting backcourt, and Alec and Dante are out of the rotation, and which it seems unlikely, and, and both of them are playing, uh, you know, we're not there. I mean, you're missing four guys at the same backcourt position, maybe not surprising that defensively things fell short. And as I've talked about, uh, these are just factual statements. It's a bad loss. Don't misunderstand. Uh, as I've said, the, the other thing that happens, we saw this particularly in the kind of the Denver game, is when you have some of these injuries and guys are overstretched, then you end up having these stretches. Now, again, th- this is hard because I don't want to be critical of, of these guys, but Joe Ingles played 38 minutes last night, I think. You know, unless there's a game last year, uh, that's probably a career high. 
Joe Ingles is a really nice player. No, no one envisions Joe Ingles as 38 minutes a night. And frankly, no one envisions uh, with Shelvin Mack at, on a really good team at 30-some-odd minutes a night. You know, those are just that's, – that's a stretch. Now, again, I, I'm not trying I, – I'm not trying to kill these guys. I'm just trying to show – the impact that has. So last night, you know, Lawson's torching the Jazz. They're having a hard time. It's now 88-88. Mack gets, does a nice job. He gets fouled. He goes to the free throw. He makes one of two. Okay, he actually hasn't been in that circumstance very often, right? Two minutes left at the line, game on the line. That, that you know, he's been to two Final Fours many years ago, and he's got some experience, but he actually has not been a, you know, closing point guard until he came to Utah last year. A little bit in Atlanta, uh, just a little bit. So he splits those free throws. He's 68% free throw shoot. It's kind of who he is, right? Um, so that's so he, he splits. We get the turnover on Cousins, and then the Jazz run a really kind of nice play that actually is executed well. Uh, Mac comes off a double pick. They roll with Gobert. Mac's wide open, and he misses a 20 right side of the floor where he's usually at his best. He, he misses a 20-footer, you know? Like, well, first of all, that shot's only 40% because that's a mid-range shot. So I'm not trying to – I don't expect him to make that shot, but he just missed it. Has If he makes that shot, and I mean we're now probably playing a lot of what-if-ins and buts, but if he makes that shot and he makes that other free throw, we're up four and the game's over. Sorry, I've got a little bit of an electrical sound that just kicked in, so I'm going to try to see if I can solve what's causing that right now. It's not something – I just tried to solve it and made it worse which is not great, so apologize for anyone who's hearing that. I'll see if I can take care of it in the recording. There, may have gotten rid of it. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's a that, – that play right there kind of sums it up. Then on the next one down, they run out of a – they call a timeout, and Jaeger runs. We're tied – we're up 90, 89, 88 at that point. Jaeger runs just a gorgeous, gorgeous play out of that timeout. Follow comes on a curl. Gobert steps. They bounce over. Cousins is the guy out there. Now Hayward slides over. Cousins is that good. Jazz actually guarded that decently. Hayward might have been a step late. I don't know. Uh, Cousins is just so darn good at that point. Now you got Cousins. That's why you don't want to do that. So now it's 90-89. There's 45 seconds left in the game. And the Jazz run a play. And here's what's really interesting to me about late game offense. And this is really the reason that's why I kept saying, I don't want to be killing this guys. Cause this is really why I'm bringing this up is. <clears throat> so one of the things that jazz have had a tendency to do late in games is play a lot of ISO one-on-one stuff where they get the switch they want and they go one-on-one. It doesn't work great. And so the easy answer, which I brought up after the Dallas game, is just run your same offense. Well, if you talk to coaches about that, and running your same offense, what they don't like about that is I don't know who's going to have the ball making the decision-making, and I no longer control who gets the shot. So you run your regular offense, and Shelvin Mack gets a pull-up jumper on the right side with 124 left, which is not a bad shot. It's the offense running correctly. He's wide open. But i got to say that I probably don't know if I want Shelvin Mack taking that shot. On the next possession, you run the offense again, and it ends up – Joe Ingles gets run off the right corner. Now Joe Ingles is driving the right baseline late in a shot clock, and he turns it over on a pass inside. Again, by running the regular offense, you're putting the ball into guys' hands 
not out of your control of where it is on the play and forcing guys to make plays that might not be regularly used to making plays of that sort. That That's the weakness late in games of trying to run the regular flow offense um, that exists out there. And I think that's what's to me was really interesting about last night is there you have these two and then they, he turns over. Now cousins goes down and makes one of two free throws. And it's a two point game. Gobert goes to the line to tie which was, again, a regularly offense set play, pick and roll. Gordon hits Rudy beautifully. Rudy has not taken a free throw in the final 24 seconds of a close game since 2015. Since 2015. The end of the 2014-15 season. Like, not last year, like two years ago. Okay? So, when you now you have him in a new experience. Maybe no surprise, he splits the two free throws. I don't, I don't have a problem. Rudy's a 70% free throw shooter. Frankly, the chances are you're going to split. And now, you know, now, you have, now you're into the foul game. So on those three key possessions of the night, you ran your regular offense. One of them you got a good look. Joe Ingles on the other gets in trouble. Rudy gets you a good look. They ex- you execute pretty well on two out of the three. You're just doing it with guys you're not used to doing it with. So the answer to that is then when it's a two-point game after Cousins misses the free throw with five seconds left, you isolate Gordon on a pick-and-roll switch. With Cousins, Gordon drives and misses at the rim, trying to go over Cousins. Cousins made a pretty darn good defensive play. You got the look you wanted, and you don't, and it doesn't survive. So, I mean, I, 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 my, I guess my takeaway a little bit here is twofold, threefold. One, that's not a good loss. Two is uh, when you look at the – you look at how that game kind of played out late. Quinn tried some different things. You can see the pros and cons to each one uh, and how that happens. Uh, and then the third one uh, I would say on that is, I don't know. what my, You know what? We just had guys. We didn't have our regular guys trying to make plays until Gordon took it to Cousins. Um, and, and that makes it tough. So that's, that's kind of my take on, on last night. Now, the bigger issue is, you know, the game really falls apart to open the fourth quarter where, you know, you, I, I had a feeling we were in a bit of trouble uh, the minute it got to, the, got to five minutes and you're having Cousins back in the game and they've got the momentum. And Ron always talks about how hard it is to stop that momentum um, as a player, that that's really one of the most difficult things to do in the league is to stop that uh, momentum of a ball game. Sorry, I've got to, I think you're going to hear it too. I apologize. I've got a little buzz in my ear and I'm trying to solve it while we're live and I I can't seem to to do it. I wonder. I'm a little surprised, um but it happens sometimes just with all the electrical stuff I have out here and I'm able to kind of take it away uh every once in a while and then I'm making it worse as I click it around. So for those you can hear that in the background, I apologize uh on that. All right, so though that's kind of where I stood on last night's uh ball game and how it played out for the Jazz. A dis- that's a bad loss, though. It's hard. When you're good and you lose games like this, it's awfully hard to go get them back, and that's what's what's hard about this one. Uh, today's show is brought to you by, as all Thursday shows have been, the Shamrock Auto Group. Uh, Rob Taylor uh, and the Shamrock Auto Group are some really good guys out in Pleasant Grove. 
if you are considering purchasing a car, you know someone who is, uh, maybe you should tell them to save some money, get a super nice vehicle, have a buying experience that's quick and pleasant down at Shamrock Auto Group. The ShamrockAutoGroup.com. Rob is at 801-319-2250 is the number to reach Rob at. That's 801-319-2250. They specialize in, in all sorts of brands. What they really specialize, though, is customer service. Salespeople are there for you. There's no pressure. Um, and frankly, if they don't have the car that you want or need, they'll go see if they can go uh, find it for you. If you got to just go to the Google comments and read, and you'll just see that anybody who's been there has had a wonderful uh, buying experience. Out-the-door pricing in five minutes, test drive by yourself, buying experience in under an hour, full service to do financial in-house extended warranties, value-driven and Carfax report on every card. Shamrock Auto Group, it's out in Pleasant Grove. You can check them out at Shamrock Auto Group. Uh, dot com and uh, stop by. See, maybe that's the big holiday surprise. Rob Taylor is the owner. His cell phone is 801-319-2250. That's 801-319-2250. They've been a stalwart there for almost 10 years, uh, so check it out. 801-319-2250. All right, let's see if we can get to your questions. Um, I've got a bunch of comments here. Let's see uh, if we can... Get to them, and as is the case on Facebook, for whatever weird reason, you don't get all of them on the... Uh, can you introduce me to Joe Ingalls? Yeah, no problem. Uh, what's up? I'm good. Um, I'm glad you changed to Facebook Live. From what? I don't know if we... Is pregame Periscope or Facebook Live better for you? I like pregame Periscope uh, on the Twitter thing because it comes right to you. <clears throat> and then I like this because it has a lasting factor on facebook live you guys can tell me if i'm wrong on that um thank you for pregame periscope thanks to locked on network um why drink expensive coffee from a cheap cup i don't know um what is your significance of the introductory sounder you make to the intro of the podcast oh um in the old days we first started the show of Locked On Jazz when we just did this and all it was was me sitting on video on YouTube drinking a cup of coffee like that. We had no production and we didn't have anything, and so I just started pretending that I was my own production with that drum roll, and it's just kind of lasted as a key uh, to the show. Uh, John says you can't rely on Joe. Uh, you know what? Joe's played great. Um, I, you know what? I agree with you. I mean, you can't. You're not going to win if Joe's your 39 minute night starting shooting guard. You're going to have a hard time. Should you beat Sacramento at home? Maybe without Rudy Gay. Maybe. Um, seems as though there's been a few games we've had a 20 point lead and let the opponent bring it within single digits. In your opinion, was that the biggest cause? Yeah, I mean, it, I also think that might be the reality of the league. I mean, I'm not sure that that's. I understand that that seems kind of strange to you, but last night, what, Dallas is up 20-30 on Portland and just about loses. That, I think that's a little bit of the reality of the league, the way the game works, the amount of possessions, the three-point shooting uh, on that. Do you think that there's some part of the Jazz system that is contributing to all the injuries? Do you think that all the injuries are caused our healthy players to play more minutes and have more injuries? I, I think there's something to that last part, but it doesn't explain, you know, if you look at the injuries, so George has got a toe as you um, so that could have been shoes. That could, that's not really on the team. That could just be he got hit. Gordon got his finger caught in a jersey. That's unless we're all going to start uh, practicing sleeves, which we've been joking about um, a little bit. Rodney's got the flu. 
and some stomach issues and a hamstring. The hamstring is a stretching issue that is the first time we've had a muscle pull in a long time. If we had seven muscle pulls, I'd say there's something that needs to be looked into. Alec and Derek just haven't been able to get healthy. That's, you know, I don't know what that falls under. Um, That's, you know, that one changes a little bit of how that how you feel and look at that one in that sense that Alec had that extra surgery to get the Breedman out since then everything's been going well and Derek has just not been able to get his body right since the back last year so um, I I have a hard time parlaying all of those together and saying there's something wrong uh, with the medical staff I also don't know enough right so um, if there is or isn't I shouldn't be commenting on that so I, I guess time will tell on that but I, I you know just from the rudimentary 30,000 feet like is everybody having the same type of injury where they're doing something lifting that's causing muscle like, I don't see that like so I don't I don't know uh, on that uh, when are you these guys going to be healthy? It's starting to be a bit of a joke. Yeah, no, I, I think Quinn. I mean, Quinn's worn out by it as much as anyone. Uh, I think the players are too. I'm sure all the coaching staffs have their own ways to evaluate and rank players' performance. Does Quinn ever look at pack numbers, or does he use his own? I'm sure he has his own. Uh, I do not do not bore Quinn with pack. Uh, I've talked to some of the assistants about it. Zach Guthrie's aware of it. I think Mike Wells knows about it. I've, I've shared it with them guys just in free conversation over dinner things of that nature uh but i'm not going to bore quinn with it uh why is quinn never use timeouts to stop another team's momentum one um that's not true and two uh because you want your timeouts late in games and three because it actually doesn't work there's no statistical uh study that ever says that those timeouts actually work it's a neat thing to think like we call a timeout the runs over it actually doesn't work uh, last night's actually a pretty good example, right? That run started at 64-44 and kept going all the way until it was tied with about five, six minutes left in the uh, fourth quarter. And so there were at least f- four timeouts during that stretch that were taken on either side. Uh, what With the Ray, the Rudy gets to the line, do you feel like he's a viable offensive option? I do. I'm, I'm a huge believer in dunkers, though. I'm a huge believer in the value of the dunk and at the rim and 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 dunking, and so I actually think that's an offensive play, no different than Clay Thompson coming around to curl on a catch and shoot, and so it has value. So I, I think Rudy's an offensive player. Uh, where can we get one of these sweatshirts? I have looked everywhere. This one, those la- the two I've worn recently are team issued, so they may not be available. Sorry, should I stop wearing team issued gear? Like I'll, I mean, look, all I do is have team issued gear. Uh, so I think that that might be it. Do you think that Igor Kokoskov or Antonio Lang will ever want to be head coaches in the league? I'm sure both of them want to be head coaches in the league. Antonio is just one of the most wonderful personalities uh, I've ever been around in my life. He just is just a good dude who's just got a great vibe to him. People like to be around him. He's so enjoyable. He's so bright. Uh, I mean, his background is incredible. He becomes a player in Japan and then realizes that he's going to make money in Japan, so he stays there and then learns the language so that he can coach there to continue his career. Uh, it, it's it's unfortunate that <clears throat> the NBA doesn't really respect that, this so coaching in Japan the way they respect coaching in Europe because I think it means he's behind on the road to getting back up to being an NBA co- a head coach. He probably deserves to be further along where he is on the NBA coaching scale with his background around Krzyzewski and things. I also would tell you the league is um, 
not good to big guys about being head coaches. Kind of go look around. There are not a lot of big guys that have been head coaches, and there might be no big guys that are African-American that are head coaches that I can think of in my off the top of my head. I may forget somebody, but anybody over 6'6", I guess magic. Um, but there really has been a lack of big guys as head coaches. Phil Jackson's the exception, and there's been great Great big guy coaches in this league. How Patrick, Patrick Ewing's never gotten a shot, um, despite having a pretty good resume. I don't know if he does an interview well or, or what, but um, you would think with all his time around the Van Gundys, when the Van Gundy tree is about the hottest tree that there is out there, uh, that he would have gotten a shot by now. He hasn't, and he's a great player. Um, <clears throat> so uh, it's an interesting one. Igor Kokoskov would be the first European head coach. He was the first European college division one coach. He was the first European pro coach to win a championship when he was in Detroit. Uh, so he's, he's a national coach for Slovenia, I believe, was the national coach for the Republic of Georgia. He's got a lot of experience. He's been with great coaches, Larry Brown, Alvin Gentry, things of that sort. So there's another one who I would say his resume is working his way up to possibly getting there at some point. Uh, he's my coffee guy. He and I go out and, and have a cup of coffee. So this is to Igor. And other than his, I don't know if it's a European culture thing. He just will ne- He like we have to fight over who pays every time. He wants to buy every time, which is incredibly nice of him, but it's probably not appropriate. Um, so yes, I then fight him for it, and I had to buy last time because it was our first coffee since he got his NBA win against the Lakers. All right, that was probably more than you want to know. Dang, I want to buy uh, from Rob Thomas. Thought he might throw in some Matchbox Twenty tickets. Yeah, that'd be cool if Rob Thomas had a car dealership. But it's Rob Taylor eight zero one three one nine twenty two fifty. First time being able to watch live. Thank you for all you do. My favorite part of your show when you put us on hold or cut us short so we can you can attend your wife or kids. Keep up the great work. Yeah, either that or totally unprofessional. Somebody got mad at me for that yesterday. Uh, who will have a bigger impact, 100% healthy favors or Hill? Hill, not because of who's better, but just because of who they're replacing. Pre-game Periscope is gangster. Cool. I think gangster is cool. I'm old. Uh, I thought it should have been Johnson instead of Ingles in there at the end. He has more experience and probably same athleticism at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, but or it could have been Dio instead of Johnson, right? We could all are. I mean, that's going to be the story of the season uh, is how many different options and players when we get and we're healthy when you have late in games, right? Do we close with Hill? Hood, Hayward, Johnson, Gobert. Do we close with Hill, Hayward, Hood, Ingles, Gobert? Do we close with Hill, Hood, Hayward, Boris, Gobert? Do we close with Hill, Diaw? I mean, it's really that same four guy that we're talking about. What happens if Alec Burks is having a good game? Does Hood sit? What happens if Ingles is having a good game? Does Hood sit? What happens if Joe Johnson's having a good game? Does Hayward sit? So I think that... Um, I think Hill and Gobert and Hayward are probably the three constants, and those other two spots are going to depend on the night. And we, have, when we're, if we ever get healthy, we have so many options that I do think you're going to be able to play that game you're playing nightly. Um, Ingles is better. Luke Walton, great passer, high IQ, plays well with Hayward, chippy agitator. That's an interesting comp. My first instinct was that, I don't know, that's a really interesting comp. I'm not sure that Joe's a better passer than Luke Walton. Um, Joe gets Joe's a good passer. He's done a great job this year of reducing his turnovers. Um, he used to be make a lot of great passes, but he he was a a pretty 
high turnover guy, and to his credit, he's taken that away. Um, I think, you know, I, I think there's a chance Joe's better than Luke Walton. Um, Luke Walton might be a better rebounder. Um, I'd have to look at that. Not really. I'm just looking at his numbers right now. I think Joe's actually probably a better player than Luke Walton. Um, Luke Walton played a lot early in his career. Then maybe injuries or some other things didn't play as much. Luke had that one year. Uh, I'm looking at right now. He averaged 11 points, five rebounds, five assists for the season. I don't know if Joe could do that. Hit 39% of his threes. I guess on the right team in the right circumstance. But other than that, either due to injuries or whatever else, Luke. Yeah, it's not. A, it's not a bad comp. I don't usually agree. Um, Hood has lingering issues. No, I mean Hood's got to. Got to stay healthy and got to get through a game without being nicked. I mean, that's the one that jumps out to me is every game he just seems to be beaten up a little bit. Uh, and that's why I think, you know, I – but, you know, give Hood, you know, as much as it feels that way, I think Rodney played 70-some-odd uh, games last year. And uh, – but I – you know, that's where you the, – the one on Rodney when you – and this is probably totally unfair – uh, but the one that jumps out to me on Rodney is when you watch him and you see just kind of every night he gets banged and gets beaten up a little bit, and then you go look at last year and you see in April for the final eight games of the year he shot 37% and 31% from three, and you go to his post-All-Star game numbers and he shoots a little less good from three and and, and for the field. Not a big deal, but just a little less. <clears throat> you, I, I wonder, you know, I mean, if you go back to Rodney last year, he averages 19 points a game in January, 17 in February, 14 in March, and 13 in April. And you see that, and you wonder, and that's why the, the team has been so big with Rodney about getting himself to full strength so that he's at at least average level strength in the NBA so he can work his way through a season uh, along the way. Uh, let's see. Uh, do you think that Shelvin Mack's market value will rise as a result of his play since George Hill went out? I do, but I don't think there's much of a chance of the Jazz trading him. So I think he's, you know, I mean, they could have traded him any day the, any day so far this year. He's got value. Other teams in the league would want him. Sacramento would have taken him right away when they didn't have Collison. You you could trade Shelvin Mack every day. He, teams like him. He has value. You get a second-round pick that you traded for him. Absolutely. But I don't I don't know why the Jazz, I don't think the Jazz would do that. Uh, how hard would it be to bring Stockton Malone in? As consultants, we did that with Malone. It was did not work very well. Um, in fact, never mind. I'm not going to continue that comment. Uh, do we win last night if Rudy dunks it with two hands when he was fouled at the end of the game? I'd have to watch that play. I don't know. Uh, I would love to see you more on TV. Could you have a locked-on stats segment? You know what? I think they do a great job. Uh, Kristen Kenny's been an incredible addition. Um, they've done, they've added so much to that TV broadcast. Travis and the crew do a great job. Bowler's the best. Not only that, he's like one of the great friends to have on the road all the time. So I, I don't think they need my, uh, boredom. Uh, officiating was terrible. Point guard defense was cringeworthy. Yep. Uh, David, rarely does Quinn take timeouts and the other team's momentum when we have large leads. Normally he want, waits until the last moment. And then we have confidence is too late. I, I so... I don't think that that's I, – I don't agree with it. Um, so I don't agree with that on a lot of levels. I don't agree that that's probably true. Two, I think you have to understand managing timeouts, and sometimes it has to do with whether or not you have the next automatic timeout or the other team does, so that if you call it, 
you can call a timeout. It doesn't cost you one, really, because you're going to get called automatic. But if you're not in that sequence, then you call it, then you're missing one late in the game, and those are pretty valuable. We were out of timeouts by the end last night. The second one is there's just no data that shows that that works. Like, the automatic assumption is the minute you call that timeout that it's going to work, and that actually isn't true. Uh, after the Mavs game winner, Rodney should never sit in an end-of-game scenario. Okay. That's fine. Rodney's not been good in end-of-game scenarios, though, in his career, which is, and I'm not saying, I think that's a developmental thing. I think he'll be fine. I think that three is a big deal. But it's interesting to me that the if I listen to the Twitterverse, and I understand the Twitterverse is generally not, you know, it elected a president, but it's not necessarily a place to find accurate information, is that you if you listen to the Twitterverse, is that Rodney is, is far better uh, – clutch player than we have on the roster. Rodney has some really special skills where he can go get the ball late in the game and get some shots, which is, I think, why you do go to him late. But in the last two minutes of a game within uh, four points in his career, he's he's shooting 17 of 50. Last year, he shot 33% in those circumstances. Um so and in clutch situations, which is a lot longer range, it's the final five minutes of games, he's shooting 38% and 22% from three in his career. His first year, he didn't even actually hit one. It wasn't until New York last year that he actually hit a shot in the final five minutes of a close game. So I don't disagree with you that Rodney is a guy we can go to late in games because he has a great ability to catch get his shots but i think his youth shows as well his career is three-point shooting percentage last year was 30 percent he's taken one he hit it big this year in the final two minutes of game he's at 32 percent so i don't disagree with the concept because i think rodney's really good but that's part of his development uh that still needs to go on uh do i think that joe jazz will hold on to joe ingles this summer i actually think that's going to be really hard i think he's going to get paid i think he's going to get a four-year 40 Something like that. I'm not sure we pay $10 million. Depends. You know, I guess you're going to have to make a decision of $10 million for Alec Burks or $10 million for Joe Ingles. I, I would guess that that's where, what it's going to come down to. Alec's on the books. Joe gets signed, something of that nature. You've got, you're not going to have – you can't have uh, both those guys as backups to high-paid $30 million Gordon Hayward if he resigns. Rodney Hood, who's going to get paid at some point and have that kind of money on both those guys. Uh, you know, unless you decide that Alec is back and then – Alec has a different role, and then Joe Ingles is fine at that number. But I, I'm not sure you can have both those guys at $10 million, would be my thought. That is today's edition of Locked on Jazz, brought to you by Shamrock Auto Group. Give Rob Taylor, call him Rob Thomas, though, for the fun of it, at 801-319-2250. Yeah, call him up. Call Rob and say, hey, is Matchbox 20 Rob Thomas there? 801-319-2250. They're out at uh, 203 North, 2000 West. Um 2000 West, same road as North County Boulevard out in Pleasant Grove. You're looking to buy a car. Take the time down there. You'll have a great experience. That is Locked on Jazz. Back with you tomorrow for Pack Friday. Have a good one. Hi, guys. This is Josh Lloyd, host of the Locked on Fantasy Basketball podcast. The NBA is back, so that means that fantasy basketball is back in one form or another. We've got daily fantasy, but there's also some fantasy leagues with the resumption of play with these eight regular season games in Orlando, and Locked on Fantasy Basketball is going to have you covered. It's not just for fantasy basketball, though, because we recap all of the games across the NBA, so if you're looking for a broad overview of the action across the league every day, Locked on Fantasy Basketball is the podcast for you.